All right. Good morning, Fellowship Fam. How's everybody doing this morning? Everybody good? All right. Awesome. Ready to bring in the new year, right? All right. So did everyone get exactly what Santa brought them, wanted to bring them? Did everyone raise your hands if that's the case? Right? Okay. So, um, but, but, but really though, just seeing all these social media posts about, about just what was going on during, during Christmas was really awesome. I love, I always absolutely love to see the, the morning Christmas post. And then the fact that throughout this whole month of December, we were actually focusing on the Christmas carols and, and the meaning behind all of them. That was really awesome. Tonight, we're going to focus on, sorry, tonight, today rather. I'm used to, you notice I'm used to leading Wednesday nights. Um, but, but today, we're going to focus on um, some more music in a different way. That's not going to be the whole focus of this message, but it is going to be part of it. Um, so I just wanted to talk to you about that. But going back, and as we were talking about that, there were some amazing things that I saw, even within those Christmas carols, even within that I'd never even that I, I've never even noticed before. And then at the same time, kind of the way that we celebrate Christmas was also really cool because growing up, the way we celebrated Christmas was a lot different. Um, growing up in Houston, Texas, we celebrated Christmas starting um, in starting on Christmas Eve. Uh, we, would, we would celebrate Christmas, Christmas Eve, and what would happen in our traditional, um, traditional Hispanic home, um, we would actually make, my mom would call all my cousins and all my aunts and uncles over there a week before, and we would do something called, we would have a, a we would make tamales. If you don't know what tamales are, you have not lived. I'm going to tell you that right now. So uh, what they would do is we would have this big tamale making party and it would, we would be spreading the masa. And I said masa, that means dough. It doesn't mean where, that doesn't go, that's not where the Mexican astronauts go to train. It's masa. So it's called the dough. Okay. Um, but, um, Believe it or not, I have been asked that before, so that's why I have to say that. Um, but we would spread it, and then we would have this big heaping pile of tamales there, and it would all wait for the next, the next day, or not the next day, but the next week, where all my family would come over, and then we'd be celebrating Christmas Eve night. We would celebrate well into then when at 10 o'clock, around, no, around 9 o'clock, um, my parents would say, hey, look, we're going to let you open one Christmas present today, and then the rest... After midnight, you can open. And that one Christmas present just so happened to be the, just so happened to be the actual uh, outfit that we were going to wear to the midnight mass that we were going to. So it was never the, the Super Nintendo or never the Sega Genesis or never the, uh, that would be equivalent to PS4 and Xbox, just to let y'all know. Um, but it was never any of that. It was always what we were going to wear. So we knew exactly. We were like, we get this shaped box, and it's like in a perfect rectangle. We start shaking it, and of course it slides. So we're like, yes, it's closed. It's what we have to wear at a midnight mass. So, and then after that, what we would do is after we'd come back, and we'd open up all our presents, and that would be our Christmas. And so growing up, I was, it was always just a difficult, it was always a difficult time because I always, me and some of my other friends would celebrate that way, but then everyone else would celebrate like the morning, right? I never ever knew the meaning behind that. And then growing up, as I became, as I started just doing some research on it, I found out that that is actually a traditional Mexican custom called Las Posadas. Las Posadas is, and then I didn't even know that it is actual, it's actual traditional based on these story of Mary and Joseph, 
where what would happen was traditionally you would go in your neighborhood and you would say, okay, this person's going to be the, per- the, the this is going to be the house we're going to celebrate. And then you would go around asking every single neighbor, can we come in? And they would shun you away and then they would come with you. And then the last house you would go and celebrate because that was significant upon the birth of Jesus Christ. So you would go in that house to celebrate with that. I never even knew that growing up. That was something that was never explained to me. And so that's why when we're looking that this whole month of December, when we were looking at Christmas carols, I was like, man, that is really cool. That is really cool to see the significant, the significance behind all of that. But then also, I also thought about Colossians and Paul's letter to that city and how at that point in time, he was writing to people who didn't really know or didn't really understand the Christian faith. And um, so that's what we're going to talk about today is putting on the new self and kind of those steps behind that. So if you can, open up to Colossians 3. Um, we're not going to go into it just yet, but as you're opening there, what I want to do is just kind of give you some, some background on that. Now, in that village or in that city where that church was, there was someone named Epaphras who he actually communicated with all the time. What's really cool about this, on a side note, Epaphras actually stems from... from uh, from someone where he, he, or it didn't stem from it, but he actually led, he actually ended up leaving the, the village in charge with Epiphanius. Epiphanius actually translated into the Spanish culture as Epifanio. That's actually my dad's name, and I've never heard that name before until I was, until I was doing uh, some research on this, so it was really cool. But anyways, as we're going back, the audience that he was writing to he was actually in prison, and he was writing to this audience because he recognized, and Epaphras was telling him, these people were spiritual. They recognized Christ through the knowledge of him, but didn't consider him the Lord of their life. And so, as, and so it made me think, even after growing up, as I was growing up, see, that's the way I grew up. I recognized and knew who Christ was, but never really understood the need for him to be in my life. I understood, just like I understood that tradition, I understood the tradition. I knew it was awesome, it was family, but never really kind of grasped why it was celebrated or how it was celebrated. And this is exactly what Paul's writing to them and talking to them about. Because he wants them to be real in their faith. He wants them to be solid in their faith. And at the same time, he, want, he wants them to understand that we're to live in this world and we need to just, just grab a hold of that faith and put on that new self. And let's march into 2000. And I want us to march into 2018 showing that new self and being driven by the gospel. So let's go ahead and open up to three. We're going to read one through four real quick. It says, <clears throat> If then you have been raised with Christ... Seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear appear with him in glory. I love the fact that Paul is communicating with us. And he's even communicating with this group of people. And I think when you really think about it, How many people do you know that recognize themselves as being spiritual but don't really recognize themselves as a a follower of Christ? I know lots of people like that that say, hey, look, man, I'm spiritual. That's just who I am. And that's the way I was growing up. As a matter of fact, I would even tell you that the only, that was probably when we would go to midnight mass, that was probably maybe the first, maybe the, we would go probably two times a year as people, you know, people, I think, 
I think the term or the, the, the term that's used is CEO Christmas and Easter only, right? That's what, that's what I was. And I, and, and that's what I was. And I didn't know any other time to go. And every now and then we would go and, and everything else. And I didn't really recognize the, recognize the, the whole meaning behind prayer or anything like that. But a lot of it was because when I would go and I would go to Bible studies and I would ask, you know, questions, they would just be like, cause I said so and everything else. And so it was never really an exploration of the faith or exploration of let me challenge you so that way we can challenge each other and walk in this. It was more of a because I said so. And you see, I think this is really cool because Paul gets in here and he's talking to us and he's telling us, if then you have been raised with Christ. And I like how he says, if then, because he's talking to these people, because some of these people are like, I'm spiritual. He's saying, well, if you've been raised with Christ, you have to seek things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. And I think ultimately, ultimately, fellowship family, we have to set our mind on things above. When we are living a life abiding in Christ and recognizing the need for him in our lives, it's very obvious that we are not of this world, but we still have to live in it. We still have to live in it, in it my brothers and sisters in Christ. And so what that means is that we have to recognize where opportunity is for us to integrate the gospel into our lives and into the lives of others as well. And so one of the things that I thought would be really fun for this morning, and then the students recognize this all the time, is we have a little something called Breakfast Club every third Sunday of the month, okay? What we do is we kind of like to dissect different songs, social media, entertainment, and everything else too. And I thought it'd be really fun for us to do that today so that way we can kind of see what the difference is in, in setting our mind on things above. I am not justifying any kind of attitude or anything like that with songs, but I think it's very important for us to grab the gospel and try how can we integrate it in the lives? How can we do this? How can we create an opportunity for that? And one of the things that kind of focus this, focuses all of this around this specific verse here is another verse that Paul talks about where he says, it's 2 Thessalonians 5.21 through 22. It's, it says, but test everything. Hold fast to what is good and abstain from every form of evil. My students know that I constantly preach this all the time because people Entertainment, social media, music will tell you and try to describe to you how you need to think. But you see right here, Paul is talking and he says, you need to test everything. Jesus even says that when he says, seek the kingdom of Christ first and foremost. We need to test everything. And that means the music that we listen to. That means the social media that we're on. That means the entertainment that we're watching. We need to test it. But we don't need to remove ourselves completely and say, oh my gosh, if you listen to that, you're going to hell. We need to try to find a way that we can integrate the gospel so that way we can cause an opportunity for people to know Christ. And so as I was thinking about that, I was thinking one of the biggest, one of the hottest songs throughout the summer that was even out throughout last year was a song called Despacito. Okay. Some of us don't know that. Some of us do. Now, some of us and some of the students are going, oh my gosh, we're going to do this really. Um, but this song, Despacito, it translates to slowly. Some of us recognize, and to tell you the truth, it was the number one song, and it was 80% in Spanish, right? And so what it was, was it was, and for some of y'all who don't know, I'm going to go ahead, Despacito. It's cool, so cool because when I would hear students sing, this would be Despacito, Despacito. That's what I would hear all the time. But 
the coolest thing about this is that when I heard this, and I'm saying this is a cool thing because it was such an opportunity for me, is that I had student pastors talk to me and say, do you know what that translates to? And I'm like, yes. And they're like, you know, that's something that we don't need to be letting our students listen to. And then I even had parents say, those words are absolutely wrong. We don't need to do that. And I'm like, we need to set our minds on things above. And we need to recognize how can we integrate the gospel into people who are listening to that, who don't even, who knows what it means, but don't even, don't even understand that. So I thought of something and students, we've played something like this before. And I thought of this game that I can play just so we can recognize this morning. And it is called Despacito or King Solomon. And we're going to go ahead and look at that right now. Because I saw, because what I did is I saw an opportunity that we need to actually Look and see, and many people are like, that's not a biblical song. No, it's not a biblical song. And I'm not trying to justify anything that Daddy Yankee or Luis Fonsi are talking about. But what I am trying to do is trying to let us know we need to seek this as an op- we need to see this as an opportunity and not necessarily saying, oh, no, 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 that's a bad song. We need, how can we have people come to Christ just knowing that, hey, look, you listen to that song? You know, it's very similar to something in the Bible. Let me show you. And so what I've done is I've translated the song into English, and I've also have some, some verses from Song of Songs on there as well, okay? And we're going to look at them real quick and try to decipher which one's which real, real fast. So let's go ahead and do that. So we see some of these. Now I'm already fond of it more than usual. Drink and become intoxicated with love. You hold your hearts hostage with one glance. And so they're all intermingled. You don't know which one's which. Who can really tell the difference of what, which, one's, which, which one's the song and which one's Song of Solomon? It's hard. So what I've done is I'll go ahead. We're going to highlight the yellow ones that are going to be Despacito, and then the purple ones are going to be Song of Solomon. And you see how similar that those are. But see, what we need to focus on is the passion. There is passion behind someone that wrote that song, and there is also passion in King Solomon. The difference is is that I know for a fact, 100%, that King Solomon had the the passion of God and the passion of the bride and what was instituted in what he was supposed to be talking about, how we're supposed to lift up these blessings. So when we look at this, this is my first point here. When we look at this, We need to understand that setting our minds on things above does not mean exclusivity. It means opportunity. We need to seek and see these things as an opportunity for people to understand. Seeking these things above does not mean that we segregate ourselves. It means that we find ways for others to come to know God. And if that means that I can have a successful conversation with someone who's who's talking about that because I want them to think about that, that's absolutely, that's absolutely an awesome way to just spread the gospel for it. Because I'm going to tell you, you know, growing up and being an intern uh, one time and, and just kind of figuring out where God was, where God was at and, and, um, and, and where God was calling me after I became a Christian, I once had somebody who was, who was mentoring me who told me, and I, I, I had to tell him, I, I absolutely disagree with you. He said, he told me, he said, we need to make sure that students don't know how to think for themselves and we need to give them the gospel and traditionalize them in it and have them just kind of recite, and that's it. And I was like, that's not what it, that's not, to me, that's not what it is. We need to help students think for themselves, but integrate the gospel in that. Because as we set our minds on things above, 
And that goes for any and every one of us. As we set our minds on things above, we are finding, we are finding ways that we can integrate the gospel into everyday life and set our mind on things above so that way others can come to know Christ. And that's what it's about. It's not about saying, you don't need to listen to that and, and that, that's it. It's not because I said so. It's because I said so and this is why. This is why this means a lot. And so as we're coming up to it, once again, not justifying that this song is such an amazing song, and I'm not justifying that this song is a Christian song because that's not the case at all. But what it is is that we can learn to integrate the gospel in that. And I've done that with many different songs on those third Sunday mornings, and we've done that together as a group. And to see students actually kind of just grasp what those words actually mean and grasp what media, what social media, what marketing, what entertainment is trying to tell them is such an amazing thing. And that's what we need to do in our everyday life. So we set our things apart. We set, I mean, we set ourselves apart, not things, set ourselves apart. Our set our minds apart, not ourselves. Sorry. Sorry. Um, we set our minds, set our minds above And let's look to see specifically the opportunities that Christ gives us. And going into it, also as we're doing that, one of the things that we need to do is we need to really, truly fixate our hearts on Christ. Because as Paul was talking about this, I think a cool thing that he was doing is he was basically saying, look, some of us believe and some of us need to check our beliefs. Because some of us don't really believe that the Lord is is Savior of our lives. And what we do is that going in five, we're going into Colossians five through 10. If you could just follow along with me here. It says, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion of evil desire and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. In these, you too once walked when you were malice. I'm sorry, when you were living in them. But now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you have put off the old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Second point today. Rearranging earthly things does not make room for Jesus. Rearranging earthly things does not make room for Jesus. You see, when Jesus comes into your heart, he wants your whole heart. He wants your heart in its entirety. He does not want you to hoard on to all these things that you think you need to survive. He doesn't want you to hold on to any of that. He wants your entire heart. So he wants you to give, basically, he wants you to give those to him. The old nature is not renewed or reformed. Instead, it's put to death. The old nature is not renewed or reformed. It's put to death, guys. It's understandable for us to live in this world, but as Christ followers, we need to put away those things. And let's start by looking at truth instead of compromising. Let's not compromise the truth. Let's stop living enslaved to the comments, to the, to the actions, and everything the world says, and let's start living in the freedom of Christ. Some of us here, we have a lot of things in our heart that we feel makes us, or or kind of generates our identity. But it is Jesus Christ that is the only thing that can actually resume, that can actually give you that identity. 
And some of us, we're holding on to addiction. We're holding on to passion. We're holding on to all sorts of different things in our life right now that we say identifies us. But that is absolutely false. And if anyone told you that, and if the world has been speaking that into your life, that's absolutely false. And it is tr- there is truth in the gospel, and there is truth in the love that Christ has for you that says you, that, that we need him. And we don't hang on to any of that. Because as we're hanging on, we're trying to make room and say, Jesus is in my heart, but I, I still need this right here. Jesus is in my heart, but I still need, I, I can't live without this. Jesus is in my heart, but then next thing you know, we're starting to cram Jesus up in this, this other stuff that, that is around us. And what needs to happen is we need to push all that aside and say, I am tired of living enslaved in all this stuff because I'm ready to live in the freedom of Christ right now. And that's exactly what needs to happen in our lives. And as we do that, as we set our minds on, on things above, and as we learn to rearrange things to, to make room for Jesus, what ends up happening is that those are kind of like the metaphorical type steps. And this is the one actionable step I love that Paul talks about right here. And this is where he knows that we need, to, we need to get real, we need to get right, and we need to do it instead of talking about it. And he talks about finding your identity by putting on the new self. I'm going to pick up at 10 again. Um, going into Colossians 10, follow along. It says, And have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here there is not Greek and Jew, circumcised and uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, late slave, free, but Christ is all in all, put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. And above all those, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let peace of Christ rule in your hearts, which is indeed, to which indeed you were called in one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms, hymns, and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God, the Father, through him. I think this is so, so, so relevant today, just as it was back then. Because sometimes that's what we think, is that the Bible has no relevance in today's society. But when I read this passage, when I read what Paul was talking about, there is 100% truth in absolutely everything that he's talking about that's very relevant in today. And so my third point, my final point here, is putting on the new self is living a life driven by the gospel. The new self that Paul is referring to is when we start to set our minds on things above, we make room for Jesus in our heart, and ultimately we take those actionable steps to make him the Lord of our lives. Now, what that means specifically is that it means that you don't look at pe- you look. I'm sorry. It means that you will look at people and not the stereotype. 
It means that no matter what people say about things, if you are setting your mind on things above, if you have Jesus in your heart, that you are going to take approach to a person and see them for the way that God has designed them, not the way the world defines them. And I think that is so relevant, especially within this fellowship family. Can I say that? Because one of the things that I've seen that has just made me tear up so much is that not only when our students are praising God, but that we have someone, a senior adult that comes up to them and says, comes up to them and says, I love the way you worship. Because what that person has done is that person has then taken and seen that person as a person the way that God has designed them and not the way the world has defined them. That person, that, that, that senior adult did not look at my students and say, there goes those students in the student ministry ready to go and wreck some havoc. No, they actually saw what was going on and they enjoyed it. And that's, um, that's an amazing thing to see. Another thing is that it means that you will listen and you will pray for others as opposed to making judgment just based on what they say. It doesn't mean that we sit here and listen to some things that we say, you know what, you're saying some, whether it be mean things, whether it be nice things, whatever it may be, that we won't pass judgment. We are going to pray for that person and we're going to love them. And that's really hard for me too. Because sometimes when people say things about me, one of the first things I want to do is I want to say something back. But sometimes it takes me just praying for that person. And me really just going up to him and saying, let me pray for you. And then another thing that it means is it means that you will be guided by the spirit as opposed to being guided by the world. When we have Jesus in our hearts, we're going to be guided by the Spirit. When we're going to put on that new self, we're going to be guided by the Spirit. It doesn't mean that we put on the new self, we take it off, we put it on, we take it off. When we are putting it on, we are living for Jesus because we want a life driven by the gospel. And I'm going to tell you right now that when I think of the fact that we're going to be guided by the Spirit as opposed to being guided by the world. And, and these three things that, that I just discussed right here, it's kind of hard for me. And I think just recently it was really hard for me. This past Thanksgiving, a deer decided to commit deer-side. That's when deers want to commit suicide, but they run into your front of your van. Deer decided to, to commit deer-side on our van. And because of that, we were kind of out of commission with the van for a little bit. And some of y'all know about it. And some of y'all have been praying for it, praying about that. And we thank y'all so much because we were able to get over that stump. But to tell you the truth in me, there was no, there was no, there, there was not a, a fact of thinking on, on things above. There was not the make room for Jesus in my heart for that deer because I wanted to go deer hunting right after that. Never been deer hunting, but I wanted to, right? Um, and there was all sorts of things that were going on. They wanted to total our van. They wanted to, but at the same time, because it was only like a couple hundred dollars away from the threshold and there was all this stuff. And I wanted to just, just not only, 
I, I wanted to do all sorts of things to just talk mean about the, the guy that was helping me out at the insurance company. And that was, there was all this stuff going on and ended up wrecking our trip to Houston. So I couldn't go and get my tamales early. I had to wait. Um, and I still have to wait. Um, so there was all this stuff that was going on. And I remember that day we decided to stay home and we decided to just spend time as a family, which was really cool. And I love that. But the coolest thing about that whole moment was the night that I tucked my son into bed. And as I was tucking my son into bed, one of the things that he said to me, he said, Daddy, I lied this summer. This is this summer. I was like, man, okay. Well, I lied this summer and I feel really bad about it. I wrote on the wall and I didn't tell, and mommy asked if I wrote on the wall and I said no, but I know where the spot is and I want to tell you about it. And so then he, he comes up to me and he shows me, he grabs me on my hand, takes me, goes down his... Uh, goes down his uh, bunk bed and tells me where it is. And he's like, I feel really, really bad, daddy. I don't know what to do about this. And I was like, man, this is that awesome salvation moment that we've been waiting for. We've been praying for. This is amazing. This is so cool. And we wanted to jump up for joy. But then at the same time, we have my, I have my, my middle son in the bunk bed underneath his. So then what we do is we do this. It sounds really bad right now. But we do this cop interrogation technique where we put them in two separate rooms because we don't want someone to say something and then them develop a story. So you know, y'all know what I'm talking about, right? <laughs> so then what happens... <laughs> Then what happens is that we, um, man, I'm getting some technical difficulties. You're sorry about that. Okay. All right. So then what happens is then we, we talk to him and then my wife's making sure that he's in the other room, that my middle son's in the other room. And then I'm looking out and my middle son's praying, um, which has never happened before because he doesn't really just pray by himself. So it was really cool. Um, and then I was talking to, talking to EJ and that's my oldest son. And, and then Jojo comes out to the front too, as we separate him and he's like, Hey, Daddy, I was praying about some things, and I feel kind of bad about some things, too. So now there's this, this Holy Spirit moment taken on in our life, and it's just, I mean, and it's just really cool. So then Adrian gets up, takes him to the bedroom. I'm in the living room with EJ, and I'm talking to him, and then she's talking to, talking to JoJo, and then uh, JoJo, and then later on, I got to talk to JoJo and actually got to pray with him, and he says, thank you so much, Jesus, for being into my heart. Now I know that I'm clean, but at the same time, we don't know. We're still walking with him in that, so y'all pray for us on that as well, and then and we're still walking with EJ on it. But the one thing that EJ said that night, that just, oh, it was just an all moment. And I think we are so inspired by these all moments. And sometimes when we don't set, set our minds on things above, we miss these all moments of where the gospel can be integrated in, in life and how we can bring others to Christ. And what that all moment was, was when he came up to me and he said, Daddy, how old were you when you accepted Christ? And I said, baby, I said, EJ, I was, I was 19 years old. And I wasn't, it wasn't at a church. It was actually at a restaurant. I was a server at a restaurant and someone shared the gospel with me. And then he just started like, his bottom lip started quivering. And he just came up to me and gave me a big old hug. And I'm talking about mad, crazy crying, the, cry, the snot bubble type cry is what I'm talking about. You know what I mean? And he tells me, he says, Daddy, you were living alone for 19 years before Jesus came into your heart. And I said, absolutely. I was alone. I thought I was the boss of my life. But it took 19 years for me to say that Jesus is the boss of my life. And the fact that when he came into my heart, he rearranged, he, he, he threw everything out. He was the rearranger, rather. He took everything out, 
And he wanted me to follow him, which led me to meeting your mommy, which led me to also having you as a son. And so saying all that to say that my seven-year-old can recognize that he is lonely without Christ. Some of us in here can recognize that we're lonely without Christ as well. And the fact that Jesus is the one thing that can save us. He's the one thing that wants us. He's the one person that loves us so much that he sacrificed. But he not only sacrificed, but he defeated death for us as well. So as we conclude and and as the band comes up, one of the things I just want to say is, where is Jesus in your life? Is your mind set apart? Are you setting your mind on things above? Have we made room for him in our heart? And ultimately, how are we going to live 2018 driven by the gospel? When people see us, are they going to see Jesus? When people see the things that we do, are they going to see Jesus? Challenge you with that.